Hey folks, I am Ryan Goodman and you are listening to the Agriculture Proud Podcast. Join the conversation and find all my content at agricultureproud.com. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Agriculture Proud Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Goodman, coming at you from Helena, Montana. On this podcast, I cover a little bit of everything in agriculture and hear the stories behind a few of the people who are involved in farming and ranching from all parts of the country. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or anywhere podcasts are found and follow me on social media as Ag Proud Ryan and on Facebook as Agriculture Proud. And as always, you can find all the episodes and show notes at agricultureproud.com slash podcast. Well, on this week's episode, we have a special guest from Miles City, Montana. Dr. Megan Van Emmen is an extension beef cattle specialist with Montana State University. She came to Montana a few years ago from Indiana and has hit the ground running. And I had the opportunity to keep up with Megan's work over the past couple of years. And I'm very glad to see MSU Extension Research Programs working to address issues that challenge cattle ranchers in Montana and across the region today. And in this podcast, I catch up with Megan and to learn more about her story and what led her to move west and instilled a passion to work with ranchers throughout her research efforts. And as you listen to the podcast, send me any thoughts you may have. You can connect with me on social media as Ag Proud Ryan or find the Montana State University Beef Cattle Extension Facebook page. And now I hope you enjoy this episode nine of the Agriculture Proud podcast with Dr. Megan Van Emmen. All right, here at the podcast today with uh, Dr. Megan Van Emmen uh, in Miles City, Montana. She's Beef Cattle Extension Specialist with Montana State University, and thank you for joining me on the podcast today. All right, thanks, Ryan. So uh, to start us off, Megan, a little bit, um, tell us about um, kind of where you come from and uh, what your role in the cattle industry is. So uh, I'm originally from Indiana, northeast part. Um, Grew up on a very small farm, you know, a few acres. And we always tended to have a few swine, some some cattle around, more just for our meat purposes. And that got me into 4-H, where rabbits, goats, beef, um, multiple projects going on there with livestock. So... From there, I decided, well, I'm going to go to school, and you know, I think I think how most of, at least a lot of us, start out is we want to be veterinarians, and got into college, animal science at Purdue University, and started there, and started working in a swine nutrition lab with graduate students, and decided from there that you know this veterinary thing, you know, maybe not quite for me. I liked the research aspect, so started looking more into that, and did my master's at Purdue, and then moved to North Dakota State University to finish my PhD up. Then I did a little stint in, in Iowa State University as a postdoc, and then I moved here in, I think, August of 2014. And so I've been here for almost a couple years now. And so right now I just work with producers, uh, extension agents, basically anybody who has any questions about the beef industry in Montana or, or even the United States, we're out, you know, ev- everywhere, basically. And I even help some producers still at home with with dietary rations and formulations and using different ingredients and then basically whatever they have any questions on I try I try and do my best to answer or I find the person that's that's more knowledgeable than I am and, and get the answer for them yeah uh, moving from Indiana to uh, Miles City Montana um, it's quite quite the move uh, yes yeah um, so for Indiana standards I grew up in a small town of about 9,000 people, which is mm, comparable to, to Miles City. Um, however, we're 
we're a more populated state, so our nearest larger town that, that's that's bigger than Billings was about 15 to 20 minutes from where I grew up. So definitely a lot closer, but um, when I moved to North Dakota to do my PhD work, I lived in a smaller town, Hedinger, North Dakota, which only has about 12 to 1300 people in it. And I loved it. And I knew as soon as I was finishing up that I wanted to come back out west. You know, I like I love I love Indiana. I love my home, but I want I wanted to be out west where I could have a much larger impact on thousands. You know, people running thousands of head of cattle versus hundreds, and you know, and so I I love it here. I love the atmosphere. I love the people, and and this is just kind of where I want to be. I I can definitely relate. That's what drew me out here to this part mm-hmm. of the country, and and I don't miss the humidity. Yes, yes, definitely. Dry heat is better. <laughs> For sure. Um, so, uh, was you, am I right that saying your research topic in your in, in North Dakota was uh, in, in kind of fetal programming, cattle nutrition? Yes. Um, so I was involved in a project uh, feeding metabolizable protein, which is just a, another protein portion um, that basically reaches the small intestine and can be absorbed directly for the for the dam, versus the protein that's being utilized in the rumen for the for the rumen bacteria. Um, so, and then determining offspring's of effects on that. And I use sheep as my model, but I've also worked with, with the cattle aspect as well with Dr. Ellie Camacho and Dr. Vanami on, on the cattle aspect for, for total nutrient supplies. So. Yeah, fetal programming studies <clears throat> and, and happening in Nebraska as well. Mm-hmm. And, I, and mm-hmm. I was involved in some down in Tennessee, and that's pretty okay. neat uh, to see. We're, look, we're getting to the point where we're looking at, hey, how can we impact this calf long term mm-hmm. when it's still in utero? And, um, that's that's pretty exciting to see those applications coming from research, uh, something mm-hmm. that the producers can use. Yes, and I and I think you know producers for a long time have kind of known that the, that nutrition during gestation really affects that calf as soon as you know it's ready to get up and going at calving. So I think this is just our way of trying to to help the producer out and, and figure out some more uh, nutritional schemes that we can utilize to definitely impact that calf health and calf growth post weaning because at least, you know, here in Montana, we're a cow-calf state, so we're looking for that growth to weaning, so when they're, those producers are ready to sell those calves at weaning, they're gonna get the best best bang for their buck there with, with an increased growth. There you go, and so kind of laid, it, laid <coughs> into it there. Um, so your, your work with Montana State now as a beef mm-hmm. cattle extension specialist, you're working with a lot of cow-calf producers. As mm-hmm. We are a cow-calf state, like you yep. said, and so that's kind of the focus of a lot of your research? Yes, um, I recently just uh, completed a project last fall utilizing sugar beets in a basically freshly weaned steer calves. I'm looking at a 45 to 60 day uh, time frame for backgrounding and uh, basically, we found that you can feed up to 45% sugar beets within the diet, and those calves perform the same as those would have been fed a 45% barley diet. Now we, are, you know, we note that there's some different moisture issues in there, but those those calves ate that that sugar beet ration right up, due, you know, because it's sweet and it's very palatable with with the moisture content and. So the big thing that we had to worry about was the choking hazard from the sugar beets. So we were actually able to use a wood chipper um, borrowed from some other researchers that allowed us to chop our sugar beets up to a a fine milk type of consistency. And that really allowed us to mix the rations really well, but also basically eliminated that choking hazard. Yeah, I don't want to have any calves choking on some sugar beets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was a concern. Yeah. And and so that came about um, using the byproduct feed kind of like that because we'd had 
some sugar beets that were, were going bad? Um, so the question came about from a producer. He was able to purchase some some spoiled sugar beets. Um, let's that would have been the the winter of 2014. It was a very mild winter, and they were sitting out in the, the large piles and were starting to spoil a little bit. So he was able to pick up some of those sugar beets for for fairly cheap. Um, just wanted to know can can I feed these? So that's okay. We'll we'll see what we can do and. So that's how that, how that came about, and, and this year it might even be more of a concern on the sugar beets since Hershey has now decided to go non-GMO sugar beets or, or sugar cane. Um, and there, um, I was just reading an article probably last week stating that there could be an excess of sugar beets this year due to that fact of the not, wanting to move to the non-GMO sugar beet crop. So most producers are using the sugar beets um, ge that are genetically modified, so we could we could see some increased sugar beets here. So this could really be a potential outlet for those those sugar beet producers that may not be able to to fold into the sugar chain again. And you know, cattle producers should be able to use them as a viable feed source, especially for the energy side of things. Yeah, it was uh, sugar beets is a new new crop to me. Uh, growing up in the South, mm -hmm. I had never seen any. I, I mean, I was closer to Louisiana <coughs> and, and the sugar cane. And so coming up here, being able to see sugar beets growing, there's a lot of people who farm sugar beets and mm -hmm. raise cattle. Yes. Uh, so that's that's pretty neat to see. Well, maybe mm -hmm. we can make it, um, you know, uh, another alternative for the crop if, if the mm -hmm. disruption in the market or we get warm winters like that again. And so. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think we could see that this year. And, that, and I was the same as you. I grew up in India. We didn't grow sugar beets at all. So when I, the first time I saw sugar beets was when the guy trucked them in for us and dropped them off and that was the first time I'd ever seen one you know except for growing along the side of the interstate almost looks like a truckload of rocks right yeah it did and and you know we cut one open and, and I can safely say that I tried it tasted like a sweet kind of potato or carrot and I can understand why the calves would want to eat those so yeah yeah for sure so that's that's neat to see able to do um do projects in response to market mm -hmm. conditions or producer concerns and yep and is that something that really kind of drew you to extension work yes yeah i love working with producers um and i got a taste for that in Hedinger, you know because i was at a research center there where you're constantly just working with producers and what are what are what's actually occurring out in the state um so i really like that part of the extension world is being able to work with the extension agents and the producers and figuring out what problems we're seeing you, you know, last year a lot of it had to deal with drought. So what are we dealing, you know, how are we going to deal with that? And now we've got a little bit of needed moisture. We still need, knock on wood, we still need some more. But <clears throat> um, but I enjoy, you know, listening to producers, learning from them. You know, a lot of these producers, they have a lot more experience than I do. And I want to learn from them and what they're doing and, and how they're making their operations work. That's pretty cool. And you've, <clears throat> you've kind of stepped in, and, and I think Montana State's done a great job historically in the extension of research programs mm -hmm. and, and been very innovative. <clears throat> um, but you've kind of stepped in and really kind of stepped up some of the um, use of like social media and their website mm -hmm. to be able to help us get access to some of these research findings and learn more about what's going on. So um, what, what kind of led you to doing that, and, and how are you sharing that information? Um, well, as as most in, I would say, my generation, we're, we're very, I don't want to say I'm technologically savvy, but I use social media every day, Facebook, Twitter, and things. I'm still learning Twitter, but <laughs> Facebook quite a bit, um, and I thought, well, you know, what better way to help get information out there to producers than creating a Facebook page for Beef Cattle Extension? 
So myself and Dr. Endicott, um, who's on campus in Bozeman, you know, we post informational articles that we've read, um, basically anything that's coming out extension-wise if we feel that it's um, gonna be needed. Um, and then as well, we, we've kind of coupled with Dr. Glunk, our forage specialist, so if she has any information on the forage aspect of things and, and livestock production, we try and incorporate that. So, and I know um, not only does the beef cattle have a Facebook page, uh, Whit Stewart also has a sheep extensions page. So we're, we're kind of moving in that direction. And so I, th I think it's, it's been a pretty good element to use. Um, so those are, that's the main one I use, I guess. I use a little bit of Twitter if I, if I remember <laughs> at, at meetings. Um, but it also, since I'm based at Fort Keogh, I can help get their information out as well. So I, I try and take pictures and, and things of and talk about the research we're doing here too. You've also got um, a really cool page with College Vag, <clears throat> the, the research report that you've kind of got there and got all the information compiled in mm -hmm. one place. Yeah, so last year, uh, Dr. Emily Glunk and I, we decided um, that maybe we should have some, uh, some more new ways of getting this research that's being conducted out to, out to the producers because that's the ultimate goal is how, how does this research that we're conducting impact producer operations. Um, so we inaugurated the, the research, the College of Ag and Extension Research Report last year was our first one. Um, we a little bit of a learning curve there. It took us a little longer to get it out than, than expected. Um, but, you know, we had a great report. We had 15 articles. Um, Two departments represented animal and range sciences and then um, plant science and pathology. <clears throat> and then uh, basically that is published online at MSU Extension slash COA. So on the Extension website, but for the College of Ag there, and you can access those articles for free. Then this year, so we're trying to, so after our learning curve last year, we're, we're trying to um, increase the timeline here. And I, I've actually we've just received all of our articles for this year. And so that'll be coming out hopefully here. I can get those formatted and ready to go and, and have that out by the end of June. But we all know how that goes sometimes. But yeah, we're definitely working on that right now. So hopefully that's that's helping producers. We've had good comments about, back about the, the research report. And um, we have some more departments in the College of Ag represented this year. So that's great. We're growing. And um, about oh it's been a couple months ago I've started to implement of featuring an article from our research report from 2015 on the Facebook page just to get help also promote the information. Yeah. There you go get it out in as many <clears throat> formats as you can and, and try to reach our audience and mm -hmm. ranchers are not always always on Facebook but definitely yeah. that younger generation that's coming up and being mm -hmm. involved in the operations that's where they're getting their information so it's good to yeah. see good to see you reaching out there to put that information out there. Yep. Yeah, we don't have it in hard copy right now. Um, Dr. Glunk and I, we've, we've discussed it and try, trying to figure out how to easily get the articles out there, but you can, you can download each individual article if only one of them, you know, seems interesting to you or you think it could work on your operation. You know, each one's available individually. You don't have to get the whole document because it's a pretty lengthy document when you do it, get the whole thing. But, um, when I'm at meetings, I try and I have some note cards made up with like a QR code and, and things so they can go right there on their phone. And I know um, Emily Glunk and I, we've discussed trying to make an app. However, that's definitely out of our technological realm. So uh, we're working with some of the communication folks at the in the College of Ag on, on who to speak with with that and, and what are what's our timeline and how we're going to develop that. So some ex yeah, some exciting things coming out of MSU Extension and, mm -hmm. and glad to have you here in the state working with producers and and uh, helping our beef cattle research move right along. 
All right. Thanks, Ryan. And, uh, so just, just a refresher and a reminder, how can uh, folks get a, get a hold of you or find that information? <clears throat> yep, you can find me online through our Animal and Range Sciences webpage. There's a contact info there under the faculty and staff. Uh, my phone number in the office is 406-874-8286. My email is megan.vanemmon at montana.edu. Any of those ways, you know, even if it's just you need to shoot me a text about it with a question, that's that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm willing to help, so. Glad to have you on board and, and given access to all this uh, research information and knowledge in the <laughs> beef cattle industry. So thank you for joining me on the podcast today, Megan. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Megan Van Immen, Beef Cattle Extension Specialist with Montana State University. I'm always excited to see university research and extension programs expanding to embrace new ways, responding to the needs of farmers and ranchers, and especially utilizing social media to make that information available to you and I. Uh, you can find the resources we discussed in this episode by going to the show notes found at agricultureproud.com podcast. And as always, you can connect with me on social media as agproudryan or on Facebook as Agriculture Proud. Until next time, this is Ryan Goodman with the Agriculture Proud podcast.